You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Today, I've got another interview for you, and I've got sports photographer Nick Wasica. We'll be, we'll be talking about what it's like to have some of your pictures featured on tops and upper deck trading cards. I think you'll really enjoy getting to hear from Nick, and, and I just had a lot of fun talking with him about what it was like, how he got into even being a photographer, all that kind of stuff, and so I, I hope you enjoy it. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you to visit Underdog Events and Collectibles at udogcollect.com. They're an online shop that is run by collectors for collectors. They're going to be having multiple breaks this week from a variety of baseball and basketball releases. But one of the things I wanted to point out is they also have some 2019 Tops Hobby Update. For listeners of this podcast, you'll be able to get in on some of their breaks. And if you use the code WAXPACK at checkout, you'll receive a 5% discount. That's WAXPACK at checkout to receive a 5% discount on their breaks of 2019 Tops Hobby Update. That was one of my favorite products last year, even though the price got run up a little bit. Late in the game, it's got a ton of good rookies in it. So check that out if you want. The code should be valid through May 3rd. So remember, always bet on the underdog. Let's go ahead and get into our conversation with Nick. Today, we've got an interview guest, and I want to welcome Nick Wasica to the show. Nick is a sports photographer based out of Minnesota, and his work's been used by Sports Illustrated, ESPN, The New York Times, amongst many other publications. But that's not all, because from a card perspective, I think it's awesome that some of his photos are even being used by Upper Deck and Tops to create sports cards. And so, Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm glad we get a chance to talk. We met um, for the first time, I think, at the National last year. It was neat to, to get a chance to, to chat a little bit, but we haven't really had a chance to connect much um, since then. Um, so I wanted to invite you on the show and, and let the audience hear a little bit more about you. Um, so maybe we can just start by you know, telling us a, a little bit about yourself. You know, what, where did you grow up? You know, did you collect cards growing up? That type of thing. Uh, grew up, uh, born in St. Paul, Minnesota, it's the capital here. And then in fourth grade, I moved to Southern California, eighth grade, moved back. Uh, prior to that move to Southern California, uh, I went down there for a family wedding. I think I was seven. So it might've been, yeah. And while we were there, uh, I was staying with my grandparents and there was a neighbor across the street and they had all these baseball cards and it's like, well, I don't want these anymore. You're here, kid, you could have them. And then from that trip there, you know, I bought my first box of cards, 82 tops. That was my, like my introduction to the hobby there. So we bought that. Uh, the year after that, I started buying sets. So, you know, you get your set every year. Uh, I remember coming back from that trip. Uh, Rod Crew has always been my favorite player. And I bought the 68 tops at the card shop in St. Paul. And I think I paid $14 for it. Wow. And my family, my mom, my dad, grandmas are like, you did what with your money? Like they just thought this was like the most insane thing ever to spend $14 on a baseball card. And granted, this is like the early eighties, but you know, I still have that card. It's my favorite card. You know, 
mean, Rod Cruz is still my favorite player, and I have had an opportunity to meet him a couple times, so that's been cool. Um, after that, you know, through collecting too, you know, and like when I moved back here, me and my buddy Reed Sharpentier, we had a card show in my parents' basement. And like we paid the 30 bucks and had to add and back it back in the day. And people were paying us to have their little table in this basement. You know, we made the, uh, you know, we make the card displays out of hockey sticks and that whole bit. So we did that. And from there, it was sort of the evolution on to like, you know, hotel shows and things like that. But in and out of the hobby ever since and, you know, all sports. So very cool. Well, when did you start getting interested in photography? Uh, photography was something I always wanted to do when I was younger, but you know, just with sports and everything else started going on and just didn't happen. And then after college, you, get, you know, you get that first real job and you're making some money and I'm like, well, I'm gonna buy a camera and do this thing I always wanted to do. And it was still film at the time. So I'd go take these photos and I'd get them to look developed and then I'd go through them and I'm like, these are horrible. You know, like they're, they're not turning out how I envisioned them in my head, you know, what am I doing? And this was sort of pre, I can learn everything from YouTube era, mm-hmm. you know, so it didn't really have that opportunity. So I went back to school at a technical college up here for a two year photography program. And there was two tracks there and it was essentially like glamor shots, weddings and portraits, and then shooting bags of chips and, you know, product in a studio. And I'm like, I don't want to do either one of those, you know? Mm-hmm. But after that first year, I was just sort of like, you know, can we do a sports photojournalism class or a sports photography class? Like I'm begging these instructors and department heads. They're like, nope, we do glamour shots and bags of chips. I'm like, all right. So the next day, I literally, anybody I could find an email address for within like a I don't know, 30 mile radius of my house, I emailed them and I was like, do you have, are you hiring? You know, can I follow you? Can I shadow you? Do you? You need interns, like just looking for anything to get my foot in the door to shoot sports. And out of all those emails, I had one uh, guy call me back. It was, uh, you know, down in Fairbowl, Minnesota at the Fairbowl Daily News. He's like, well, come tomorrow with some samples. And I didn't even have a book. So I'm just like, all right. I went down there with a manila envelope. Yeah. Here, check these out. And he went through them. He's like, all right, these are these are decent. And he, he's like, well, I want you to go shoot this volleyball game for us tonight. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, we're going to come back to the newsroom. So we go back to the newsroom. He hands me this bag of equipment. And I remember there was a Nikon D1X in there. And at the time, this was like a $5,000 camera body. And I had never shot a digital camera in my life. And then going through the bag, there was like another, you know, six, seven grand worth of lenses. So it's like, he just handed me a bag that was worth more than my car at the time. You know, like, oh, shoot this volleyball game. And I'm like, do you have a manual for this? And he laughed and he hands me the manual. And go in the parking lot, I read it and go to this volleyball game and I do the photos and I come back. I'm like, well, here's the card of the photos. You know, I'll see you guys later. Like, no, you have to edit them. What do you mean? You know, Photoshop. I don't know how to do that. So they sat me down they taught me how to do Photoshop and I put a handful of photos in a folder form. And then the next day they, they ran two of them. The day after that, he offered me a job. The day after that, I stopped going to the technical college for photography. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy gave me a chance and I was just going to learn from him and, and do what I wanted to do, which was sports. And, you know, with everything, you, you sort of have these benchmarks in your career, what you want to do or what you want to achieve and attain. But for me, it was always landing cards. You know, sure. because I wasn't good enough to be on one. 
but I could still be on one without being on one, if that makes any sense. Right. So it was always a goal of mine to, to sort of meld these two passions of mine, the sports and photography together. So I didn't realize that photography is not what you went to school for originally. What, what did you study when you, business. you business? Yeah. Three degrees in business and management and marketing, like all these things. And it, it was, and, and here's the thing too. When I was going to school, I didn't know you could go to school for creative things. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, you're 18, go to school. All right. I was just there because I thought I had to be there. If I had to do it over again, I would have went to school for film or photography right away. But I didn't know you could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, in hindsight, yeah, it kind of sucked. But at the same time, the, the business side of things is very, very, very important, no matter what you do. You know, it's so it's good to have that that background as well. But this probably would have been speed, the process would have been sped up probably if I would have went to school for film and photography right away. Sure. But, well, th- I think that's awesome that, you know, a, a great example of following your passion right. and pursuing something that you're interested in. And if you're diligent enough to make it happen, you know, things can things can come true. You know, things can happen. Uh, when you pursue that. So how long, you know, you, you talked about how getting on a, uh, your, your photography, getting your shots on cards was one of the, the goals or the, the dreams that you had. How long was it between that first role that you landed and getting your, your first card? 16, 17 years, probably. Okay. So, but you know, and, and what I did with the getting the newspaper to go do what I wanted to do instead of at the school, that's sort of been my MO throughout my career. Like I live my life by a series of personal policies, and one of them is the answer is already no, so you might as well ask anyway. Right? So it was just one thing led to another. And then, you know, like I at school, like I wanted to shoot rock stars and professional athletes. Like that's what I wanted to do. And I had an opportunity to do the music thing through City Pages. I worked for them for three years up here, shooting concerts and, you know, like lifestyle events and all that. And that was great. And, you know, the whole time it was always sports. And whether it be little kids, high school, whatever, it's just it, it didn't have the opportunity to sort of shoot professional sports till much later on. So it was okay. sort of this pay, almost like a paying your dues sort of thing where, you know, I'm going to go shoot your kid's game and then I'm going to go do a high school game and then maybe a college game. Like, you know, I think so often there's a straight line mentality of like, you know, I'm going to buy this camera and then I'm going to point A and then point B. I'm going to go shoot this game right away and, and points on Sports Illustrated. I'm like, it doesn't happen that way. Like for some it might, but that's a very yep. small percentage. So it's sort of just like anything, a lot of networking and meeting the right people and, you know, being a solid human being is huge. Sure. You know, uh, yeah. Repu- reputation is, is, is definitely key. Right. Um, so what was the first photo that you ended up having on a card? It was a tops now Jose Barrios from 2017. Okay. And, uh, so I, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know. So I work for a wire service and the way the wire service operates is let's say I'm shooting twins, white socks. Okay. Day of the game, I'm going to submit 25 photos, 20 to 25 that tell the story of the game. Your starting pitchers, who got the save, 
uh, big plays? Did somebody go four for four? Did somebody hit for a cycle? Was there a rookie debut? Did a manager get ejected? Like all the things that sort of tell the story, right? So I'll do that. Like in between innings, I'll go edit a couple photos and send them off to the wire service. And once they're up there, people from all over the world can just go and pluck the photos, you know, that they need for their stories or whatever. Now, a day or two after, I'll go through all the photos that I took from that game and I'll do what's called a second edit. And from that second edit, I'll take anything that I think looks cool and I'll just edit it, caption it and put it up there. Now, those are the things that get used for like advertisements, textbooks, calendars, baseball cards, that sort of thing. And I was just started working for this wire service and I didn't even know, you know, like tops, where do they get their photos? No clue, didn't know any of that. And I'm on eBay and I'm going through everything, looking at cars and this Jose Brios pops up. I'm like, well, that looks like something I would have done. And I went back and looked and I was just like, I freaked out for a second. I was like, oh man, that was my first one, you know? So I ordered like five of them, you know, and then they came and it was really cool. The, uh, we have a fan HQ up here. It's your memorabilia autograph shop in Minnesota. And he was signing literally the, the next week. So we got to go there and me and my son and him had a picture taken with him and he signed the card for us. And it was just a pretty cool moment. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so since that point, do you have, is that still how it works? You've had multiple cards, you know, um, at this point now, right? And and that integration has, you've seen, we've seen more and more of that. Is that something now that, that you are working more directly with those manufacturers or is it still something where they're relying on the wire service to to find and source those photos it depends who it is so tops i have no clue you know because they're just going to pull from the wire but with upper deck you know i'm basically contract work for them so they'll nick are you available for these games next month and i'll say yes and then prior to that game they'll send me a list these are the people we need and it's usually rookies because the hobby's rookie driven so they're like, you know, get as many frames as you can from from the rookies. And then beyond that, you know, it's anything else is just icing on the cake. But it, it it's just different because hockey, I'm in contact with the company. They let me know who they want. And then I, I go do that. Baseball, it's just whoever their photo editor is just grabbing photos. Or is it, is it timing? Is it luck? Is it the work? Probably a combination of all three, I would assume. But uh, it, it's completely different. And. You know, I had my first cover of Beckett Baseball not too long ago. And I remember I was at the card shop, uh, Absolute Sports Cards, here in Savage. That's my local card shop. And I'm looking at the hockey issue, and it's Connor McDavid, and I'm, like, fawning over this thing. Because I'm like, oh, that'd be so sweet to land the cover of Beckett Hockey. And I kind of look over, and it's Aaron Judge at Target Field. I'm like, well, that looks like something I would have done. And then the same thing with the Burrios deal. Yeah. Go to my phone. I look through my archive. I'm like, oh. And then I was like. I started shaking because like that was a thing I wanted to cross off my list mm -hmm. on the cover of that magazine and bought two of them, brought them home. And now they're, you know, ready to get framed up in the man cave. So it's, you know, it's little surprises like that. that it, it still makes it fun. Yeah. It's fascinating to me that the realization that your work is on there and it be a complete surprise, right? right? You know, typically, you know, you'll hear, guys like uh, dub mentality talk about the first article that they that they wrote that got published in beckett um that was a dream for them but they knew they submitted it they knew they'd been having conversations right. they knew that it had been edited and that it was coming 
but your work um, and the way that that the world just works, right? In the in the photography world, with picking it up from a wire service, the fact that you could just be as shocked as anybody seeing it on the newsstand, seeing it, you know, come out of a packer on eBay, like you said, um, that's just that's fascinating to me. I can only imagine what what that would be like. You, know, you talked about you do a little video work too. How, d- is that something you did in conjunction, or is that was that just a, a natural evolution of the the photography skills that you picked up doing doing video too? Right. Well, it's kind of both. Uh, prior, you know, about 10, 12 years ago, me and two friends of mine, we owned an indoor skate park. So 10,000 square feet ramps, we had BMX guys in there and, you know, the skate park. And then we had a, uh, a stage there too. So every Friday we were putting on shows for like, you know, high school ki- kids, like high school bands that couldn't have a stage anywhere else. So I was like the marketing guru and part of it, like I already did the photos, but we started making skate videos of the kids and demos and all of that stuff. So, you know, get the camera and it just learn a different software. It's a different form of storytelling. But from there, it was just, you know, the camera is a camera and composition is composition. And, you know, it's just what sort of story do you want to tell? And I guess it probably was a, a natural evolution, but also too, you know, you, you look for, if you're looking for like a job job these days, these employers want 200 skill sets and this and that. And it's basically, you know, they want a unicorn, somebody that can do all of these things. And for me, it's just, you know, I want to learn as many things as possible, whether it be after effects, motion, you know, motion graphics or, or wherever. So I'll just sort of sit down and try to figure it out or, you know, YouTube t- tutorials or, you know, phone a friend like, Hey, how did you do that? You know? Yeah. So so tell me about the card show. All right. So I was working for a contemporary music college up here, and it closed in the middle of the night like a restaurant that would just put the sign on the door, right? I was there for seven years, and I remember I was at the uh, – I was shooting a, a wild game, and I'm actually on the catwalk, like 200 feet above the ice, putting in a remote camera, and, like, I'm sketched out to begin with to be up that high, Right. And my phone just starts blowing up. And I'm like, I just had to put my phone somewhere else because I'm like trying to do all this stuff. And everybody's texting me like, hey, did you see what happened? The college is closing and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. I got to shoot this wild game. And so I got the camera set up. I go downstairs. I read this email that the owners sent out. I'm like, well, this is great. It's literally like a week before Christmas. And they're like, oh, by the way, you're not getting your last check. You know, I'm like, all right. So the whole time I'm shooting the game, I'm just like, I hope my wife's not on the internet because if she sees this, she's going to call me and she's going to say, did you know about this? Is it your fault? You know, like one of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. And I get done with the game. I start editing and she calls and she's like, did you know the college was closing? You know, cause she finally saw it. I'm like, yes. And did you know about it? No. I'm, I'm like, I can't answer any questions for you. I don't, I, I know nothing. Right. Yep. So after that happened, I was basically, you know, started taking all the photography gigs I was saying no to before, right? And there was a couple of things that happened that sort of led to the card show. The first was I was dropping my son off at school. And he was like, Dad, if I'm not good enough to play professional sports, is is there anything else I can do to work in sports? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, well, first, it's you know, 
let me say, I tell you this, I, I told them, you know, until time, tragedy, or lack of talent at a competitive level, take these things away from you. I'm like, let's not worry about it. Mm-hmm. You're nine, you don't, you know, but it got my, me thinking that, you know, these kids, they'll see Mike Trout, Connor McDavid. They don't know that there are agents, that there are GMs, that there are social media managers and, you know, all these sort of ancillary figures within professional sports. And like, well, how, how, how could I show them that? So that was sort of the first thing. The second thing was I was shooting a game up in Winnipeg, uh, a Jets game. And after the game, I ended up talking with the photographers up there for like an hour. And it was all about, you know, because they were big, big card nerds, too. So we were talking about that and what we loved about it and what was, you know, frustrating and all that. And I remember driving home from Winnipeg just thinking, like, I wonder how I could sort of, like, bottle these conversations up so it was sort of a mixture of me not having anything to do because the college shut down that conversation with my son and what happened up in winnipeg that sort of led to the card show and i have a buddy here his name's jared christie he have you ever seen the show? there's a show called destination players it's been a, it's usually on like fox sports north or fsn or okay. one of the affiliates and they take like razors, ATV video, or vehicles, and they go all over the world. And like he's been the host of that show for like 10 years. He's a producer and that whole bit. So I sent him an email and I said, you know, I, I know because of who you are and what you do, you probably get 100 emails a day about I have an idea for a show, you know. And, and then I hit him with what I wanted to do for the card show. It's basically a travel-based show rooted in photography, sports, and trading cards where – I go to a different town every episode or stadium and the first day I'm there to shoot the game, right? Mm-hmm. I'm there as a member of the media. The second game, I want to be a fan. You know, I want to eat that $40 Coney Island hot dog and the huge Bloody Mary and I want to go ball hawking and I want to talk to the longest standing, you know, season ticket holder. I want to talk to the lady that's played the organ in between innings for the last 60 years. Like all of those stories, mm-hmm. you know, and that was generally the idea for the card show. And he's like, well, I love it. Come on in. And we had a conversation and then, you know, I came to the realization that like to make a TV show costs a ton of money and I didn't have a ton of money. And I told him, I'm like, well, let me do this. Let me just bring my, you know, GoPro and a couple of cameras. And I'm going to go try this out to see, you know, A, can I pull it off? B, is it entertaining? And C, I just wanted to make sure I didn't look like a huge jerk on camera. Mm-hmm. So... I was doing like these little three, four, five minute videos and I was putting them on YouTube. And then he said, well, it's time to come in again while this conversation. And then they helped me out with the sizzle reel. And, you know, from that point on, it was just one thing led to another. And how many is, has there been now? Well, I put together probably six or seven videos, but for upper deck, we're doing like a five to six video series for them. Okay. And the first video came out for them uh, probably three, four weeks ago. The second video they have already, that's, we're just waiting on approvals. Okay. You know, that's the thing, too. It's like when I first started this, I was very like, this needs to be episodic television. I need to be on NHL Network and, you know, the MLB sure. Network, and I'm going to do this, this, and this. But then I realized, like, when you do that, there's like nine people that need to sign off on everything, you yep. know? When it's straight to YouTube, you're the boss, you control everything, you can do whatever you want, there's no creative struggles, you know, that sort of thing. 
So it, it's been a bit, a bit of a learning curve for me to like how all these things actually work when people care about their licensing and their logos and their athletes and everything else. But it's been a great experience. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Also, you know, I, I've seen on your social media, you are currently building a baseball field in your yard. And so I was curious, are you hearing voices? And has James Earl Jones showed up yet? Not yet. We'll see. I I got that a lot. They're like, you know, it's phase one, I think after I put up phase one, you know, where's the cornfield going? You know, yeah. I, a lot of that. But uh, the my son's left-handed and he's, he's 10 and it's about, I don't know, 150 feet down the line. In the center field, it's probably 170. And then behind that, there's a pond, which adds another 15 to, you know, 20 feet, depending on which part of the yard. And we, we, I always threw to him back there. He's always been hitting in the same spot. And he started to sort of wear out the grass last year. And I'm like, well, you know, it was that old story with Harmon Killebrew when, you know, they're pay- playing in Idaho. And the mom's mad about, oh, they're tearing up the grass. And the dad says, we're raising boys, not grass. So, like, mm-hmm. I sort of had that mentality where – I don't care about the grass because that'll grow back, you know? Mm-hmm. So last year I ordered like 10 bags of field clay. And when, when I got it, the weather got bad, so we never got to do it. So the, the plan was sort of always in place was just to sort of start with a batter's box and a backstop like that we used from an old dog kennel. And, you know, from that point, it was the kid and I started talking like, well, what if we put up a fence? What if we did this? What if we did this? And my wife's like, I don't want to lose the view of the this. And I don't, and we started doing it. And then she was out there playing. And then the newspaper here is putting a, doing a story on us. And when she's like, well, now she just gave the green light. She's like, well, everybody thinks about this, that, you know, the newspaper is going to come out here, go do whatever you want. We can always change it back later. So I was just like, yes. <laughs> so, uh, I picked up an old dog kettle off of Craigslist to add to what we already had. So that's the backstop. And we got the, uh, the batter's box. I made a ball cart, an L screen, ordered bases. Uh, you know, we're going to skin the field for the bases here coming up. So, like, because I want – we've been watching the Ken Burns documentary, the baseball, and mm-hmm. I just love the old school parts where, like, the dirt goes from the actual mound to the home plate and, like, yeah. all that. So, I'm like, even with this, this is done, we're going to have a really cool wiffle ball field when, you know, every other hit is going into the pond because he's big now, right? Yep. But, uh, no, it, it's been fun. It's, you know, it's one of those things like th- it was always the idea, but I think where we're at right now where everybody's, you know, quarantined and things like that, it just gave me us more time to focus on these projects, but it, it's been a blast. Yeah. I think that's awesome. That's going to be something that the family remembers that he remembers forever. And, you know, in the era that we're in now, it's going to be something that's fully documented along the way too. And, and that's just, that's just awesome. One other uh, kind of fun question that I wanted to, to ask about is what's it like getting laid out at a football game by a professional football player? Yeah, the uh, it it was quick. He was a you know it. I want to make the joke that it was the only hit he had that day because <laughs> you know Diggs had three touchdowns on him, but uh, it happened so fast, you know. And he hit me. I get smoked. Everything blows up. But then my brain is just like I got to get the celebration after the touchdown. You know, like what crazy dance are the Vikings going to do is, you know, these are going to throw the balls and spike it to me a team operation. So I grabbed my camera, you know, pick it back up. And it, it was it happened so quick. It just sort of rolled off me. You know, it wasn't like I got smoked and like I got saw stars or anything like that. It was, uh, you know, just 
continue to do the job. And the, the guy next to me, film crew, he was like laid out and then he picked up his candy and he just kept shooting too. And I'm like, buddy, are you okay? Like, you know, yeah. our job is to, to document that. And you can't do that unless you have a camera in your hand. Yep. And everybody's like, oh, you know, did the guy say anything to you afterwards? And this, and I'm like, he probably saw me shooting right away, figured I was fine and just left the field. But, you know, in hindsight, if I had like a split second more, I, I wanted, I should have asked him if he wanted to swap my vest for his jersey after the game, you know, sure. that whole bit. I thought that would have been funny, but yeah, you know, what are you going to do? That's another phone blows up moment, you know, like that happened. And, you know, can I post this on the internet? I'm like, it's going to be on there anyway. You know, you're not going to stop it. So I had to shut my phone off after that happened. I'm like, saw you on TV, saw you on TV. Are you still alive? I've been hit by a puck, a baseball, uh, a free safety. So I think I'm, uh, my three major sports all, all checked off as far as getting plunked in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So with sports being kind of shut down right now and, and there not being a lot of sports going on, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned that there's still some of the work that you had already done um, with Upper Deck mm-hmm. or for Upper Deck for the show. Um, I was just kind of curious, you know, what else is is coming up for you? Is there, are there other things that you've got in the works that will be um, coming out soon that people can be keeping an eye out for? Yep. Uh, well, the next episode of the card show that will come out through Upper Deck will be on the Rookie Showcase. Uh, which happens, you know, I believe in August, you know, they'll bring in 25 to 30 prospects and I, you know, they're going to sign the cards and then we do a bunch of photo stuff. And that's basically what the, the second episode is going to be about is documenting that. Uh, the third episode will be a me going to New Jersey to shoot opening night at the Prudential center to, for Jack Hughes, you know, young guns and that whole bit. But while I'm there, I stopped at a card shop, uh, one got my hair cut. I, I have this thing in the back of my head that if you want to get the pulse of a community and, and sort of like the, the sports mentality of an area, like go get your hair cut mm-hmm. at a shop. I, I don't know if it's because I saw coming to America too many times or Ice Cube, but for whatever the reason, I just have it in my head. Like wherever I go someplace new, I always want to get my hair cut there. Because then you find out like the best spots to eat and all of that from these people. So I went to a barbershop there, did that, hung out with those guys there, and then uh, interviewed the uh, shooter editor of hockey content for the New Jersey Devils. So again, that aspect of showing kids that, hey, there's other jobs that I can do within sports if I don't have a 98-mile-per-hour fastball. Sure. So beyond that, we're going to do some stuff around release day, and then just, you know, it's tough because – there were talks to like for me to go cover and film at the Memorial Cup in Canada and the draft and like all these things that aren't going to happen now. So mm-hmm. it stinks. Yeah. But, you know, we're all in the same boat together. Uh, so where what's the best way for people to, to get in touch with you and to follow along? Where where can they find you and your work? Twitter and Instagram. It's just at Nick underscore Wasika, W-O-S-I-K-A. Uh, Nick Wasika.com is the website. Uh, YouTube channel as well. You just look for Nick Wasika. I got a handful of videos there. And then everything card show wise uh, through Upper Deck will come out through them on their social yeah, social channels, whether that be Facebook or YouTube. I want to say thanks again to Nick for coming on and talking. I really loved the point that he made about 
showing kids that there's more jobs that you can have in the sports arena than being purely an athlete. And so the work that he's doing to try to help expose that concept to them, I think is really, really cool. Before we go, I also want to make sure to encourage you to check out Starstock, the new trading card marketplace, and their beta version of the site just went live last week. And I actually already even had a few sales from my first submission that I sent in within the first day. And so it's been neat to see some cards try or start to sell on there right away. They're still looking for people to submit cards and they're offering a 5% sales commission with no submission or processing fees at this time. You can send in your cards and they do all the work. The cards are insured and stored in a vault and you can have your cards shipped back to you at any time. You'll be able to buy, store, or flip cards at the push of a button. If you're interested in learning more, contact Mike via email at mike at starstock.com. They're currently looking for sellers who have rookie and prospect cards of current players for the major sports. For more details, contact Mike at mike at starstock.com or go to www.starstock.com. And last but not least, don't forget to check out the Hobby Hotline, our live call-in show that we do every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central. Uh, We're probably going to end up expanding pretty soon because there's been tons of people calling in each week, and we've had plenty to talk about in the the hour that we've been doing it. So I think we're going to be expanding that time slot a little bit longer so we can squeeze in even more calls. So check out Hobby Hotline live on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. We're kind of live a little bit everywhere. Check out at Hobby Hotline for more details. That's all I have for you today, and I'll catch you next time.